0: Welcome to the Founders and Creators podcast, a series of interviews and discussions with founders, creators and leaders from the tech industry in Milton Keynes and beyond. This podcast is brought to you by Protospace, an initiative to support, connect and grow the tech community in Milton Keynes. Today we're speaking with Tessa Clark, co-founder and CEO of Olio a free app tackling the problem of food waste by connecting neighbours with each other and volunteers with local businesses so that the surplus food can be given away, not thrown away. I'd like to welcome Tessa Clark. Hi, Hi. Tessa. Hello. Firstly, I'd like to dive in um, and actually for the audience, could you tell us a little bit about the app and uh, what actually Elio is itself, please?
1: I certainly can. So hello everybody. Olio is the world's first neighbour-to-neighbour food sharing app. So we exist to tackle the enormous problem of perfectly good food being thrown in the bin by households across the UK. Uh, You might or might not know, but together, uh, British households throw away 14 billion pounds, sterling that is, of perfectly good food every year. And we aim to solve that problem by connecting you with your neighbor so you can give away rather than throw away your spare food. You just snap a photo and add it to the app. Neighbors living nearby get an alert. They can then browse the listings, request what they want, and pop around and pick it up. And today we've got just over 2.7 million people have joined Olio and they have given away over 12 million portions of food.
0: This is- uh, I've been using it myself a little bit actually myself uh, I started oh. a while ago now and how I come across your, your, your app and I thought it'd be a great fit for for this launch event and um, yeah it's brilliant it's so you know I've seen it's obviously getting bigger and better. Um, before we go on to sort of specifically how you started earlier it'd be it'd be really interesting to find out about your background um, and your career and history and just how you come into the industry bef- before starting earlier.
1: Yeah certainly so I I'm definitely not someone who grew up thinking that they were going to be an entrepreneur. I had no idea um, really about entrepreneurship or business at all. So my parents are farmers in the middle of nowhere, pretty much, in North Yorkshire. I then went to university, had no clue what I wanted to do after that. And so like many people who don't know what they want to do, I became a strategy consultant. I did that for three years and realized that actually I wanted to do some more doing rather than just advising and so I then embarked upon a period of probably about 10 or 15 years where I was working in industry in media retail and also financial services uh, always in a digital capacity and also in general management so um, yeah kind of heading up digital business units within those industries.
0: so could it be interesting to find out actually how the idea or where the idea came from to start elio
1: Yeah so the light bulb moment I guess if you like for Olio came about six years ago now. I was living with my family in Switzerland for work and moving back to the UK and on moving day the removal men said to me that we needed to throw away all of our uneaten food and obviously being the farmer's daughter that I am with a pathological hatred for food waste I was not prepared to do that so much the irritation of the packing men I stopped packing and instead bundled up at the time my newborn baby and toddler and set out into the streets clutching this food hoping to find someone to give it to and to cut a long story short I failed miserably but I wasn't to be defeated I went back to my apartment and when the packing men weren't looking I smuggled the non-perishable food into the bottom of my boxes and that was the moment I just thought This is crazy, the lengths I'm going to, to avoid throwing away this food. I'm probably performing a criminal offence right now. But to me, it seemed equally criminal to put perfectly good food in the bin when I knew there was someone, you know, probably within 100 metres of me who would like it. The problem was they just didn't know about it. And because I'd worked in digital for 10 or 15 years at that time, and I knew there's an app for everything, I couldn't believe that there wasn't a simple app where I could advertise my food and give it away to a neighbour.
0: So yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, a great start. So I, I believe is, you started with, with uh, is that you have a co-founder as well?
1: Yes. That. So um, my co-founder is Sasha. Very, very good friend of mine. We met at business school uh, over 15 years ago now. We studied together in California and she was the, I told a couple of people about this idea of an app where you could give away your food to your neighbours and pretty much everyone thought I was crazy and needed to get off maternity leave and go back to work. Uh, But Sasha immediately got it and together we researched the problem of food waste and what we discovered blew our brains. We could not believe that everybody wasn't yelling from the rooftops about this enormous problem, both in terms of the amount of waste that is generated. So a third of all food that we produce each year is thrown away. It's worth over a trillion dollars. Alongside that, we have 800 million people who go to bed hungry every night, who could be fed in a quarter of the food that we waste in the Western world. And then the environmental impact of food waste is devastating if it were to be a country with the third largest source of greenhouse gas emissions after the USA and China. And so once Sasha and I had been through that desk research period, and then when we discovered that half of all food waste in a country like the UK takes place in the home, we knew that we had to bring the Olio app to life to, to try and solve that problem. Yeah,
0: it's fascinating. So it'd be quite interesting to find out, obviously you've heard about sort of, I guess, you know, the inception of how you, you, the idea of it, but um, how, how did you go about it expanding beyond that point and I guess starting to scale up and and what were your roots into to starting to, I guess, to find investment or, or get it off the ground?
1: Yeah. So we went through a pretty interesting process actually to go from an idea to A product in the market and scaling. So the first thing we did was that market research, which I've just outlined. So that was a big tick in the box for, is this a big problem uh, beyond my personal experience? So that was a big yes. The next thing though, that we needed to know was, is this a problem that anyone cares about? And so we did a market research survey, we seeded it all over local Facebook groups. And the key piece of insight that we got back from that was that one in three people said that they were physically pained Throwing away good food, and we use deliberately extreme language, sort of physically pain, to try and weed out from, I guess, kind of you know, false positives of people saying, "Oh yeah, food waste is bad." So that was a big tick in the box. One in three people physically pain. That means this is actually a mainstream, prevalent problem. Okay, so it's a problem on paper. It's a problem that people care about. But the next thing that we had to test, and the core bit of our hypothesis really, was that people would share food with a stranger slash neighbor and we wanted to test that hypothesis without sinking our life savings building an app that quite frankly no one might want and so what we did was we invited 12 people who had said that they were physically pained in that research survey and who all lived close to one another in uh, in north london they didn't know each other we didn't know them and we asked them to take part in a two-week experiment and we put them on a whatsapp group And we said, here's a group of people. If you've got any spare food in this two week period, you can share it here via WhatsApp. And we waited with bated breath, I think for over 24 hours before any sharing took place. And then it did start taking place, which was fantastic. And at the end of the two weeks, we met face to face with all of those people, which was kind of a slightly surreal experience. And, And they told us three things. They said, you absolutely have to build this. Two, it only needs to be slightly better than a WhatsApp group. And that was honestly one of the most powerful bits of feedback I think we've we've ever had. And then the third thing was, how can I help? And that uh, was really the genesis of our ambassador program. So We've now got over 50,000 people helping us all over the world, um, building off of the relationship that we built with those first 12 ambassadors. So it was after we'd done that, proof of concept, I guess, if you like, using WhatsApp for free, that we then had the courage and conviction to invest our life savings in getting the app built. And so we we did the whole process very quickly, though, we incorporated the company, 9th of February, and exactly five months later to the day, we had been through all this process, and we had launched the first version in the App Store. And the reason why we were sort of on a mission to do things fast was because we had given ourselves a deadline of the end of that year. And if we hadn't sort of made a go of Olio, then we would have to both go back and get proper jobs. And we knew that making a go of Olio would mean that we would have to have raised funding. So, and we knew that to raise funding, we would need some data and some traction, so we were sort of flat out to get the app into the app store for July, which meant that we did not spend long at all on logos and branding and and stuff that at that stage isn't actually that important or it wasn't for us. We just needed to kind of get the product out there and get people using it, and we did manage to close our first round of funding uh, in October of that year, which then meant that we didn't have to go back and get proper <laughs> jobs, and we still haven't. Um, and we were able to bring the tech in-house because we got the, that first version of the act built i should say by an amazing agency called simple web in bristol who uh gave us reduced day rates in exchange for a small equity stake in the company when we did our first external fundraise
0: that's interesting so coming back to the coming to the funding um being female founders did you find that a challenge at the time raising investment is there any issues with there
1: in a word yes <laughs> Um, I've raised, uh, so I lead on fundraising, um, and I definitely recommend that by the way, fundraising is incredibly time consuming. So it's definitely something to kind of divide and conquer on. So for Olio, I've, I've led on our fundraising efforts. We've done it four times now. Um, it is by a country mile, the hardest thing that I've had to do and, Some of that for sure is linked to the fact that we are a female founded business and the data alone uh, tells the story. So in the UK, approximately 1% of all venture capital funding goes to female founded businesses. 89% goes to male founded businesses and the Delta goes to mixed teams. So the odds that you're looking at are extremely challenging going into the fundraising experience Um, and I think we had the fact that we're female founders as a challenge. We were also tech for good, which isn't exactly the hottest space. Um, we were pre-revenue for most of our raises, which also is a really uh, pretty controversial way of raising, certainly here in the UK. It's not in the US. Uh, and we we're also remote first. So we've never had an office. So yes, fundraising has always been um, challenging for us, but we've found found ways around it and we've found ways to overcome in particular around the female founder bit, some of those biases that you face.
0: Do you you feel that's changed at all in more more recent times over the last year or something?
1: I'd I'd love to say yes, but the honest answer is no. The only change that I've seen is that a number of investment firms are recruiting more female staff, but they're generally at the analyst type position. They're still not yet at that partner level with check writing capabilities. And I I believe very, very passionately that the lack of diversity amongst the gatekeepers of capital is is an enormous challenge for our startup ecosystem because it means that businesses that are founded by diverse founders, and I'm not just talking about gender, I'm talking about every sort of diversity lens, are not getting the capital that they need. And in my experience, it's the diverse founders that are solving the real problems facing humanity today Um, but what I found is that we were able to successfully raise when we were able to find a female investor with check writing abilities and I kind of looked at my conversion rate so my conversion rate uh, pitching to a typical male investor might be five percent or ten percent but when I pitch to a female investor my conversion rate is 75 percent. Wow. Uh, and most of our cap table ha- is um, made up of of women. Okay. Uh, but the problem is, I can count the number of female investors uh, pretty much on on one or on one or two hands. So that that needs to change really very quickly.
0: Yeah. Okay, that's very interesting. Um, just touching on your remote first, I guess that's been pretty interesting and positive for you you haven't had to, I guess, adapt in the, in the current climate of, of, of COVID and lockdowns um, that you already use in that model. So no, and I,
1: I think that's a, an example. Because we are diverse founders, we have just approached things differently. So we were two mums with young kids. Uh, we didn't live close to one another. And so to us, it seemed absolutely crazy to spend limited resources that we didn't have renting an office an expensive office that we didn't want and so we built the organization to be remote first from the ground up and through that process we've discovered that uh we have access to an enormous talent pool that very few other people are tapping we're not competing for the same you know react native developer in london along with all of the other unicorns we we can sort of spread our our net much further we've also found that We can access far more diverse talent, so um, both in terms of gender diversity and also neurodiversity and ethnicity and class. The minute you are uh, widening, you know, recruiting, say, across the whole country, you, you access that really, really diverse talent. And for us, diversity is really, really, really important. We're trying to build a product for a billion people, so we need a team that represents a billion people.
0: And of your ambassadors, is your, do you still does that? Is that quite a diverse audience within that as well? I mean, could, I'm yeah. wondering if you use them for actually testing or like beta testing apps or anything like that.
1: So our our ambassador community is extremely diverse. In fact, you know, we've kind of surveyed them, and they are representative of the UK as a whole, which is fantastic. And that's why that sort of growth model we found really effective. So just to explain what our ambassadors do. When you sign up to become an Olio ambassador, you can either become a digital ambassador, which means you kind of spread the word about Olio online, um, or you can become what we call a community hero, and we give you posters and letters and flyers and speaking notes for talking at local events uh, and templates for press releases, etc. And we've found that that model of growth is really powerful because our ambassadors know their community far better than we ever would so they can sort of translate and explain oleo in a way that will resonate with their local community and that's a much more scalable way of of doing things than us trying to uh, visit every town and and city in the land
0: that's a great idea having those local champions it seems yeah uh, yeah that's really good um I saw you I'm not sure how long ago it was now but I know I think it wasn't on when I first started using it that you partnered I know Tesco's has become a partner now which is looks, yep. I'm, I'm guessing you're probably hoping to to partner with more uh, of the supermarkets but I was wondering if there's any more specific plans around that or with, the, with Olio itself?
1: Yeah so it's probably worth just sort of touching briefly on that partnership with Tesco so the first thing for <laughs> For all the aspiring entrepreneurs out there uh, or or actual, you know, sort of entrepreneurs who are doing it, um, partnerships can be game changing. So our Tesco partnership has been game changing for us in terms of just the sheer volume of food coming onto the app. Uh, And how it works, by the way, is we have thousands of volunteers who are assigned to their local stores and then they, on their allotted time and day, pop out their home across the road. They pick up all of the store's unsold food. They take it home. They add it to the app. The neighbours request it, neighbours pop around and pick it up. And it takes that food from being a waste stream in the store one to two hours earlier to instead being fully redistributed into the homes of the local community. So the sheer volume of food we've got coming onto the food as a result of, uh, onto the platform as a result of Tesco has been transformational. But it did take us over three years to pull off that partnership. (laughs) So the learning there is that you should work on sort of partnerships in parallel to growing the business sort of directly yourself because um, you can't possibly hope to change the sales cycles and the business cycles of, of large organizations. And and, if, uh, and it's better just to sort of crack on. And also the more quickly you get to scale uh, yourself, then the more credible you, you become as a prospective partner.
0: Yeah, I see um are you any other projects outside of earlier especially in sustainable area or or anything else uh
1: me um no i do a lot of uh i spend a couple of hours a week mentoring which is a grand word but you know doing calls with startup founders who reach out to me who want to get my feedback and get some advice on their journey so i i do quite a lot of that Uh, i have a non-exec. Uh, role as well, which is helpful just to bring in a bit of extra cash. So um, I think we've all got, to especially in the early days, you've got to find your way of kind of balancing your family books. And so I needed to, in the very early days, I was having to do kind of consulting work and non-exec roles uh, and Olio. But then over time, I've I've been able to drop the consulting stuff, and I just sort of keep this non-exec role. But I'm I'm extremely passionate uh, about everything to do with sustainability and sustainable living, uh, and have been taking my family really on a journey of figuring out what sustainable living looks like for us just as regular kind of citizens and, and our lives and how we lead it and how we consume
0: yeah it's interesting it's something we're personally quite passionate about and just trying to do as much as we can starting at home and yeah convincing a few friends and family as well in, in that in that small way I guess to sort of do what we can so um pretty much I think we have we, kind almost close I guess wrapping up really but just sort of wanted to finish one of the ones. any um golden nuggets you have or any little inside tips for anyone starting out in as an entrepreneur a creator or a founder
1: yeah so I've got a couple uh the first one I would say is make sure you've picked a real problem and I would point anybody who's sort of not sure about what they want to do, but they know they want to do something entrepreneurial. There's a thing called the climate crisis going on. Um, We literally need every man, woman, and child um, helping to solve that problem and, and all the constituent parts of the problem you know the ecological crisis and the biodiversity crisis and the climate crisis and etc cetera, etc cetera. so but pick a real problem um the second thing i would recommend everybody to do is to read two books one is the lean startup by eric Rees, which has just been an absolute bible for us in terms of how we test iterate and learn and get product out there and the second one is called the mom test mom test by a guy called rob fitzpatrick which is a really short but a very kind of challenging read in terms of how you should be doing market research when you're at, at concept stage, and you're trying to get validation. Really, really uh, very powerful little book. And then the third thing I would say is to try and find some way to test your core hypotheses for free. Uh, too often, I think people want to jump to building the sort of the solution, the full solution with all the bells and whistles. And that could just be very, very costly, very time consuming. And it's a very high risk strategy. Much better is to take the lean startup approach and figure out how you can test those core hypotheses for free or as cheaply, as quickly as possible.
0: Yeah, that's uh, good tips. <laughs> yeah. And then good. the final thing actually, sorry, I would oh, say I think...
1: is to be constantly learning. You know, yeah. so, so nobody starts out as a first time entrepreneur knowing how to do it. Uh, but if you just become obsessed with learning, so listening to all the podcasts that are out there, reading all the books, uh, if it's helpful, you can follow me on Medium. I wrote a a blog post there with about 15 or 20 podcasts with a brief description of each and why I'd recommend them for early stage founders. So do check that out.
0: Okay. Thank you very much. No worries. I think we will wrap up there. um, Okay yes really appreciate your time Tessa thank you for coming on no
1: worries I'm afraid really I've got to go to put the kids to bed now so uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. would love and, you uh, and leave you but I hope that was helpful
0: no definitely and yeah as I said you know I wholeheartedly recommend checking out Olio app as well so not just to thank yourself you. but to our audience so, <laughs> so, yeah thanks great. very much and I'll, I'll uh,
1: email you the um, link to the podcast that's great
0: we'll share that out thank yeah. you
1: take care Bye.
0: Cheers. bye Thanks for listening to this episode of Founders and Creators, brought to you by ProtoSpace. To find out more about this podcast and our
1: initiative, visit protospace.uk.